Hey caffeinators, welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome back to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, the podcast that is often imitated but never duplicated. We'd like to thank all of you caffeinators for continuing to uh, support us and, and repping our merchandise. Dave, I know you've been working really hard with um, with getting some new stuff onto our new platform on Printify. Uh, and yes, a lot of people have been asking for Vet Tech Taproom pint glasses. Um, we have them now. I got a couple already. Um, love them. Um, definitely check out our new um, format there, and we'll have that always, of course, linked in the show notes. Thank you to our Patreons and, and just everybody that continues to download our episode and, and uh, subscribe to all our channels. We really, really appreciate it. If you're new to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast, we get messages all the time. Um, welcome. Thanks for checking us out. Definitely head over to vettechcafe.com for all of the info about us and previous episodes, um, all of our channels. Everything's linked there. You can definitely check that out as well. Um, we got another great episode today. Uh, I'm really, really, really excited for this one. And Dave, this one's going to be a little bit off script. Kind of looking forward to it. Of course, yeah, I love I love doing these off script ones because it's not so mm-hmm. not so formatted, not so formal. It's it's more of like a kind of what we envisioned when we first started out on this venture is, is yeah. just having these open discussions about about the state of the profession and and all these things. So I'm excited for this as well. For sure. So um, caffeinators, we have uh, Tasha McNerney coming back by the Vet Tech Cafe. She was on our program. I think August 2020, if I recall correctly. Yeah, August talked, 2020. <laughs> talked a lot about veterinary anesthesia nerds and, you know, VTS anesthesia and, and kind of all of that stuff. And today we're more just going to talk about the profession and some of the what's going on and some of the pitfalls and just, you know, some some of that fun stuff. So um, really, really excited to have her come by. She's now primarily doing relief work kind of in and around I would say Philly, the Northeast, and and what have you. So we'll talk a lot about that, what she's looking at with with anesthesia out there in the real world and and really the profession at large. So, Tasha, thank you very much for taking some time out today to join us. Um, What can we get you for a cup of coffee? Oh, man. Well, since it's 92 degrees here in Philly, (laughs) we are entering a heat wave, which we're we're not like used to. Uh, I don't know if a hot cup of coffee is really what I'm going to be going for. You know, in the summertime <laughs> when it's like this, I'm an iced chai girl. So like a nice mm, iced okay. chai is the way to go for me in the summer. We can we can do that for sure. We can do that for sure. So um, I know, of course, we like I said, we talked to you almost two years ago now, and we've done some collaborative episodes uh, on, on other, you know, large kind of format podcasts. But if you don't mind, kind of talk talk to us about, what you've been doing since then, what you're doing now, and what you're up to. Of course. 
So for those of you guys who don't know me, I am a VTS in anesthesia and I'm also a certified veterinary pain practitioner or CVPP. So I spend a lot of my time involved in the world of veterinary anesthesia and pain management. Now I've worked all over, but really it was in the past maybe year and a half that I decided to make the leap into full-time relief and consulting, uh, which has been amazing and freeing and wonderful, uh, but also, as I just spoke with my therapist earlier today, completely terrifying. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> running around like a squirrel half the time because my attention wants to be in so many different places. But what I am mainly doing is relief work where I have a couple of clinics in the Philly area that I work with pretty consistently, uh, one of them being University of Pennsylvania, because I, for me, it's important to stay working alongside some of these anesthesiologists. I really think that the relationship between specialty doctors and specialty technicians, or even just doctors and technicians, is a really important one. I'm really big believer in the team approach to medicine, collaborative care, and all the things that go along with collaborative care, right? Because the doctor's role is very different than my role, and I really appreciate what the doctor brings to the table, and then I like working with anesthesiologists that appreciate what I bring to the table. So for me, at least one day a week, I'm at the University of Penn with the anesthesiologist there. And then the rest of the time, I'm kind of all over the place where, I mean, tomorrow I'm going to be up in Brooklyn. Next month, I'll be in Phoenix, Arizona. I usually go down to, and I work a lot with a clinic that's down in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, you know, they just schedule all of their more critical anesthesia cases on the days that I'm going to be down there. So I like to try to get to as many places as possible to kind of spread the word about good anesthesia and pain management. And I want people to know that you don't have to be working at the University of Pennsylvania or at the university level to be doing really great anesthesia and pain management. Like every clinic is capable of just, you know, taking their anesthesia and pain management to the next level. And I like educating people on how to do that. Awesome. Um, you know, one quick question I have just before we kind of jump off is, you know, talking about you know, you're saying going to Brooklyn, going to Phoenix, Arizona, and Nashville, obviously not necessarily from a monitoring and, and implementing an anesthesia protocol, but can you ever remote consult with a clinic about maybe what their, say, their cases are for the day or, or something that's coming up and and remotely discuss anesthesia plans without, uh, obviously they they would carry that out, but do you ever do any of that? Is that, is that a, even a realistic possibility? Yeah, so it's a little bit tricky, right, in that I technically am not going to prescribe any drugs or, or advise them to prescribe any drugs, but um, I have done that in the past where there's a clinic here in Pennsylvania that the doctor, if they have a complicated case, he will email me a couple of days beforehand and just ask me for my feedback. And certainly he can take it or leave it, uh, but I will usually, if I have a case like that, I will take a look at it, and then I'll email the clinic back with some key points to consider, some monitoring equipment that they might want to have on hand and why, and then some drug recommendations, and then some references for those. And that way the doctors can read through them and make their own decisions how they want to proceed with the case. But yes, I certainly have via email or even via webinar or consulted on some things. Again, as long as I'm you know, very much as long as my name is not the one saying like, of course, McNerney said of course. To use methadone, right? Like I can tell right. you like, here's what the research says and here's what we usually do in anesthesia land. Uh, but again, I'm very, 
I know my role and I appreciate my role and I appreciate the anesthesiologist's role as well. I've only worked with one other veterinary anesthesiologist, uh, like a boarded anesthesiologist. How many boarded veterinary anesthesiologists are there? Do you know that number or? I don't know that number. I can't imagine that it's a lot, although it's more, I mean, it's definitely more than how many VTSs in anesthesia there are, right? right? But at least at the University of Penn, if I'm just using that as a little, you know, study right there, we have two VTS in anesthesia that work there and we have five different boarded anesthesiologists. Okay. Okay. So just at that, you know, just at that at that um, school. So if we have four to five at every school, and then there's a lot of them out in private and specialty practice now, uh, which is really good to see. I'm very excited to see that boarded anesthesiologists are much more out in clinics, in specialty clinics and emergency clinics, making sure that, again, we spread the word to elevate the standard of care just across the board for every patient. Yeah, maybe it's just that I I haven't come across them. I I just, I've only worked with one in in 20 Five plus years. <laughs> oh, they're the best. Listen, yeah. come on, anesthesiologist, team anesthesia all the way here. <laughs> Completely agree. I think from my time at Tufts, if I recall, I think at one point we had four, maybe five VTS in anesthesia and across our, our one satellite location and residence and things, we probably had, like, like you said, like five or six. So, but, you know, we had, I think, two or three residents every year. So there was always, you know, a couple more in the pipeline. So maybe I just I've never worked in academia. For... That's probably why. <laughs> oh, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, Tasha, that was always one of my favorite departments to work with because they bailed us out literally every day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do. Yep. Team anesthesia. So, you know, I guess the question for both of you, you guys are both now doing full-time relief. How do you build that network? How do you, like, say, okay, this is what I'm going to do now, and I'm actually, I have enough places to go to actually make it work? Like, how how do you, because I know, I think, from what I see online, so many people want to go that direction. And it's always, I just don't know where to start. Where do you start? Yeah. Okay. Tasha, you're the guest. I'll let you go first. (laughs) I'm like, oh man, because I probably started differently than Dave. I, through just speaking at conferences, have made a lot of contacts with people. And because a lot of people from conferences will then follow me on social media, when I decided I was going to do relief work, I just put a post on Facebook. I had one post on Facebook saying, hey, I'm taking a different direction. This is what I'm going to do now. If you need help at your clinic and you're in the Philadelphia area or, you know, in the tri-state area, let me know. And it snowballed from there. I have, I haven't had to, you know, cold call places or email places. It really has been one job after the other, which again, as we were talking before we started recording, sometimes you get that problem. Now I have too many jobs and which jobs am I going to take on and what really speaks to me and that kind of thing. So for me, it just happened luckily very organically. So I guess if people are interested in in doing relief work and they have, you know, usually you know people at the clinics that are in your area. So I would just put it out to the people that you know, again, if it's a clinic that you want to go work at, right? So let's say that you really do not like dentistry, then you're, you're probably not going to put your information out there to the veterinary <laughs> dentistry specialty place, you know? So, you know, I would say find what you are really interested or what you enjoy doing, 
that's the thing about relief, right? Is that as you're bouncing around to all these places, you're going to gain some things. There's some definite pros to the to doing this full time, but there's some cons too, right? So we have to kind of look at are the pros going to outweigh the cons? And everybody is going to answer that question differently. You know, what you want to do with your time, what really speaks to you, can you handle the responsibility financially? And since I'm doing this on my own, I'm not going through a relief um, company or organization, that means that I have to be very regimented with my time, what I say no to, when my hard stop boundaries are, right? Because on the days that I'm responsible for my son, I'm not taking on jobs. Like that was kind of the whole reason for me going into relief is having more control and flexibility over my schedule. And I think that I always say now, like now I'm so spoiled with my schedule, especially doing what I do, that I don't know if I could go back to working full time in a clinic for somebody else. I, it would it would have to be like the most magical job ever in order for me to go back <laughs> to the clinic full time. <laughs> uh, I, I would echo all of that. You know, shameless plug. I'm giving a talk on being a relief technician at AVMA. Uh, well, actually, after it'll be just last weekend as this episode uploads. <laughs> but one of the things that I, I talk about a lot is that you get to decide when you work. But the hard part, like like Tasha said, is you do have to be much more vigilant about managing, A, your time, and also managing all that stuff that, uh, like taxes and health insurance and all that stuff, you have, to, you have to worry about that separately. Whereas I've done it differently than Tasha did. I reached out to a relief company that, that was working in my area, and I said, hey, I, can we talk about bringing me on and having me me do some stuff for you and never look back at the time I was teaching and I was burnt out on teaching and I I needed that work life balance and I and I wasn't getting it and now that I work relief like that work life balance is the the main reason that I would never I would never go back to to working full time at another practice just cuz I, I love being able to go out into other practices and seeing how people practice different medicine, maybe even teaching somebody something or influencing, you know, something that I don't want to say that they're doing wrong, but maybe that they could be doing better. And you, you kind of have to sell yourself. And, and it's really hard for those of us that are introverts to go out into these clinics and being extroverted to be integrated into their team, like on day one. Uh, that that's That's one of the hard parts for me is that I am so introverted that I have to... I have to switch over to be an extrovert. And then when I'm done, like <laughs> when I get home, I'm like shut down because I, I, my battery's done. But it's a lot different doing it on your own versus doing it through a company because doing it through a company, I think, is a lot easier. But Tasha, you may find that it's it's a little bit easier for your schedule to be more in control of everything. Um, whereas I, I, I like the flexibility of being able to do what, what I want, but the taxes and, you know, I, I still have to do my own health insurance, but doing the taxes, Jeff, you know, taxes for me <laughs> as a that is bad i, I do not like dealing word. with that it's a bad <laughs> word for me so having the taxes taken care of for me is is a lot easier for me but i mean tasha you love it i love it i love it i'm very much an advocate of it and especially for any veterinary technicians specialty technicians who are listening mm -hmm. to this podcast dude Anybody in veterinary industry is in so such demand right now, and to have a VTS that could come in every once in a while to a clinic to help out with them, uh, not only better patient care, but also then to help educate their staff. Yeah, right? I mean, Dave, definitely. I'm sure that as you go in, these technicians are learning from you, right? Your right. VTS, they're learning, oh, and, you know, Dave told us how to do an insulin CRI, and this is what we learned mm -hmm. today. So they're, it's just a win for everybody, right? We as the relief technicians 
locations get more flexibility and control over our schedule. They, as the places that we're going into, are getting a highly skilled technician that they don't necessarily have to train. Yeah, I need to know, you know, where the catheters are located. But other than that, <laughs> you don't have to walk me through, right. you know, placing a triple lumen. Like, we got this. We're good. Let's go. Um, so right off the bat can get started. Uh, and then also helping to train their staff is nice. I mean, one of the places that I go into once a week, you know, a couple of their technicians were like, you know, we look forward to the days that you come in because we are going to learn something anesthesia-wise. And I like doing it as well because like you, I like being an educator. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time and I, you know, (laughs) I can't imagine that I'm still going to be doing clinics when I'm 65 because I just probably won't be able to lift those Labradors up onto the table. And I've (laughs) probably shouldn't be doing it now but (laughs) as i look forward and think i probably do want to do more of this education and that kind of stuff i think that you know we have longevity in the field you you really do always want to be thinking okay what comes next and for some people they might stay in a clinic for 30 years and be perfectly happy with that but my gears are always turning like hey once my knee joints aren't working correctly, or I just physically can't handle what's going to be next for me after the clinic. And I think that setting up relief and consulting and education, as I'm doing, as you guys are doing, just kind of, you know, lines you up for that next iteration of your veterinary career. Because, you know, we don't want to lose people like you from the veterinary field just because you can't physically work in clinics anymore. I used to always say that um, as I as I was getting older, at some point I'm going to be wanted more for my brain than my body, and that was about <laughs> 45 years is, is where that that switch over came, and I was like, okay, this is the this is the moment where I need to be using my brain more, and not so much picking up. One of the one of the things that triggered me to say I need to get out of the clinic was I was probably like an hour or two late into my shift, uh, you know, over my shift, and this Great Dane came in bloating and like. Just I remember that Dane getting it up on the table to take X-rays. I was like, I'm I'm too old for this. <laughs> I can't I can't do this all the time anymore. And and that's where I kind of pivoted into teaching and now pivoting a little bit back into the clinic work. But I again I I still want to get into just doing just consulting and teaching because that's yeah. Well, I, that's I feel like that's where I'm most though. useful. Yeah. You're oh yeah, doing, definitely. Yeah. You're you're just basically doing like an extended hands-on wet lab every <laughs> yeah. day. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like too we we we've been in this field a long time when probably ergonomics wasn't important and all of you know lifting with your knees and not your back all these things like we knew but we did we like twenty years we old do. we're young we we didn't do like we beat ourselves up for yeah fifteen or twenty years and <laughs> reaping the benefits of that now <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely yeah um I hand dipped X rays. At oh, my uh, first yeah. job. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was 17 years old and I hand dipped x rays, no gloves, because the guy told me that it was probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, and at 17, you believed like, him, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, this sounds, this sounds legit. Sure. <laughs> oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. We've done it, you know, but again, we, you do as best you can until you learn better, and then when you learn better, you do better. So we're just constantly yeah. in pursuit of learning better. Absolutely. Well, I think that's also like what keeps us all in the field is that as we get older, we, we need more than just – like you said, for some people, working the same clinic 30 years is perfectly fine, and that's what they love to do. But there are those of us that are out there thinking that 
I can't do this much longer. I need to have something new to to keep me engaged because otherwise it's just it, it just becomes mundane and boring. Yeah. Yes. You know, we were talking before we started recording, so we've gotten to the point now we all do speaking or teaching or whatever it may be. And it's what we aspire to do once we get that BTS credential and we start small at a little, you know, local hospital or conference and kind of work our way up. And then all of a sudden it's, hey, can you do this? And hey, can you, you know, do this for my hospital? Or can you like speak at this conference or do this webinar? And all of a sudden... 12 months has gone by and how do we start uh, shifting our minds to start setting those boundaries, maybe turning some stuff down and saying no, because it, it can snowball really, really, really quickly. Oh, it can snowball. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as relief, like, you know, kind of you guys talking about your own schedules, like, do you find it's hard to actually set those boundaries or, or is it actually a little bit easier? What do you think? For me, Personally, I would say that I have always had a problem with saying no, and I am the overachiever. Again, something I'm working on as a person, uh, just having more boundaries and really prioritizing what I want with my, what I want to do with my time. Where do I really want to focus my energy and attention? And then realizing that I can't do everything. It's just physically impossible for me to do everything that I want to do in this lifetime. So I'm going to have to pick and choose. And every once in a while, I'm going to have to say no to going to some clinic in like random, like Iowa, no offense to Iowa. Uh, I, Des Moines was lovely when I went there. Um, but every once in a while, you're going to have to look at your schedule and say, okay, what's the priority here? I have a finite amount of time, right? And I have all these things that need to get done. I can't get them all done. So what has to be let go? And I think that's one thing that I, I do like try to talk to techs about. This doesn't even have to be a relief, but just like as your workday goes, right? I think that as technicians and we just want to get everything done, we want to do as much as possible. So we don't look at our day as, hey, I have this finite amount of time. We look at our day as we have all these tasks to do. It might take me till 8 p.m. It might take me till midnight, but dang it, we have all these tasks to do. And I really think we need to start looking at it as, nope, I have this amount of time that I've set aside or right. I have 10 hours that I'm going to work my shift today and I'm going to get as much of this work and as much patient care as I can get done in this 10 hours. And then I'm going to be on to the next thing, whatever, whatever else I want to prioritize my time with. You guys know you've been in this field and anybody who's listening has been in this field long enough. You know that it's very easy for a 10 hour shift to turn into a 12 hour shift to turn into a 14 hour shift. I had a friend of mine post on her Instagram that she got home from a 16 hour shift on 4th of July. And I was like, dude. That's a recipe for burnout. We all know this, right? But how do we say no? It is really hard. I'm not saying I have it all figured out, but through uh, a good therapist and I do this thing called time blocking, it works for me. So I think that you just have to pick really what your, what your priorities are going to be. You cannot physically do everything all at once. I, I agree with that because, uh, I mean, I'm – as I look at my to-do list, I always try to, I tell people, you know, you got to put your own self-care items on your to-do list. And I am, I'm one of the worst people at doing that. Like, I, I know I have all these things that I have to do. And I know that I have things that I want to do that are not work-related, non-veterinary related. And sometimes those get pushed off. And you do have to have those moments where you're like, okay, I need to like come back to me and ignore work for a little bit. 
to to kind of stay focused on things and because I'm a big procrastinator too. <laughs> and one of those things I of mean, like same. saying yes, saying yes <laughs> to like a lecture or a lab that I'm going to give, I, I do have to factor in the fact that, okay, I'm going to pro procrastinate until like the week before. So I need to factor that into my decision making process as well. How do, how do you manage like you were nodding your head when I said procrastination. How do you manage your procrastination tendencies as well? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a, um, I know that I work better under pressure. And so I just know this about myself. And I think that's why I gravitate towards anesthesia. And I know you're thinking, well, that you should gravitate towards uh, ER if you work under pressure, right? All these like <laughs> crazy cases coming in. But I got to tell you, I also do not work well in an environment where people are like screaming things like, get that crash card, blah, 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 the, the ambu bag. Like, I don't, my mind just goes like, bloop, nope. <laughs> so I, if anything, uh, we used to do this thing at, um, Mount Laurel, where it's uh, a practice I used to work at and still do some relief work with, fantastic ER department. Uh, but we used to try to do things that we called a quiet code, which was, again, not silent, but it was very succinct in the delivery of information. There was never yelling. It was very much, okay, I need you to place the catheter. While she's placing the catheter, I need you to go draw up those drugs. Can you please get an estimate signed or, you know, a form to sign for the owner? Can you do this? It was a delegation of tasks. Everybody knew their role, but the level was like here, like volume wise. It was very much so everybody stayed calm and that's kind of how I operate. And to get back to the fact that I procrastinate, this is how I kind of operate. Because I'm anesthesia, we always joke that I'm like, dead on the inside and nothing really riles me up <laughs> unless it's unless it's my kid if, if you guys have kids you know that they just know how to like push your buttons you're like oh my god please just put your shoes on so we can leave the house <laughs> uh, but other than that not a lot of things really grind my gears or push my buttons too much so for me when i'm procrastinating if i know i have a deadline uh i don't want to say that i almost become calmer but it is almost like my mind is clear. I am able to put blinders on and focus in on that task. If you say to me, Tasha, you want? I need you to write this article. You have six months to do it. T to me, I'm yeah. like, okay, well, I'm gonna do it three days before it's due. I'm gonna put that on the calendar. And for the next six months, I'm blah, 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 do whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the three mm -hmm. days before it's due, I become hyper-focused. Do not talk to me. I'm going upstairs to write this article. And I actually tend to do really good work under that pressure. I feel like for me, if I have too much time, especially when it comes to lectures or proceedings or that, I almost want to put too much in. And then I start second guessing. Should I even put that in? Should like, do, do they need to know that? Am I using the right references? Whereas if I just sit down in 24 hours and like bah, 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 bang it out, I feel much more confident about it. I feel like it's again, more succinct, clearer. So I just work well under pressure. Now, I know that that doesn't work for everybody, right? Because some people, if they know that they're going to speak at IVEX every week until IVEX, they're going to be tweaking and changing things and uploading something different and practicing. Um, I, I know some people that will practice their lectures. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. Like, literally at home, you're talking to the mirror. That's what they say. You're supposed to give your lecture to a mirror. I'm going to tell you right now, I 100% have never done that because I've been like, oh, I'll just practice in the mirror at the hotel of IVEX day before lecture. <laughs> It'll be fine. And then I never do. And then, <laughs> you know what? It always ends up fine anyway. Because as uh, Andy Rourke once told me, 
the people in the audience don't know that this is your first time, so it'll be fine. Nobody cares. We're all here to learn, so. I tried I tried that technique once, like giving my, my talk in front of a mirror, and like, I stopped halfway through because I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? I know, but you know <laughs> what? But for some people, I do oh, know yeah. it works yeah. really well. And yeah. they, like, again, everybody is just different in their learning styles. Everybody is different in, especially in their presentation styles. As you guys know, from going to lectures, from giving lectures, there are people who their presentation style is vastly different than my presentation style. And I, but I also think that that's a good thing, right? Because we wouldn't want to go to a conference where every single lecturer is giving the same type of lecture, using the t same slides, speaking with the same cadence. We would get bored and we would mm -hmm. fall asleep and we don't want that. For so, sure. For sure. <laughs> that's why my lectures have lots of swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm the exact same way. Although I, I will say I do practice my lectures usually once or twice, may, mostly just to make sure I'm on time. But I don't do it in front of a mirror or whatever. I just kind of like read my slides. But the the writing proceedings thing, and I, I talked to my therapist about this, I, I think last year before IVEX, because it was bothersome to me that I always wait till the last minute and kind of explained everything to him. And he was like, but do you get it done? And I, I said, yes, I do. And I, I think it's actually better work when I do it that way. And he said, you know, obviously it causes you some stress and some anxiety, but it sounds like when you do it the other way, when you actually work on it a little bit of a time for, for several months on end, that actually doesn't work as well for you. So do what works. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, I'll I'll just keep waiting till the night before they're due and bust them out and, and <laughs> maybe, scramble maybe to find references. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I yeah, the night before uh, I know that you now have a small child at home. So, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Like I, that I will, impacts your timeline. I will have to adjust that for sure. But, uh, I think honestly, frankly, any conference planners out there, if we could just eliminate proceedings altogether. Oh my God. Please, can we get a petition started? You do not Seriously. know how much. And I always feel like, are people even reading this? Sometimes, Gosh, every no. once in a while, I want to I want to hide like hidden song <laughs> lyrics in my proceedings to just see if people are actually reading this. Because honestly, I mean, most of the studies that I'm providing, like you can go on PubMed and find them. It's all out there I'm now. I'm not giving you, right, I'm not giving you any mm -hmm. like secret cool information. No, no. And uh, frankly, yeah, what do I, I use proceedings for? I use them for additional references when I write my own proceedings. Like, I, right. I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, it's time. It's time. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, I agree. I mean, somebody out there set the trend, be the first to not require proceedings and, and just let it happen naturally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe we'll do that at anesthesia nerds. We'll just be like, you know what? No proceedings. There you go. Whatever. There you go. Yeah. In, instead of proceedings, just have a list of references. These are the books you should read through. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, think there that's you a go. great idea. Yeah. I, really do. I yeah. like that idea. Yeah, suggested reading materials. Suggested and reading. That's, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Well, we're about a half an hour in. Why don't we take a little quick break here, and uh, we'll be back after the break. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com reviews. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit betterhelp.com slash vettechcafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, where we're never out of your favorite breakfast sandwich, unlike some places I know of. Uh, so, <laughs> Tasha, um, we just had our ad for BetterHelp, um, and you you were mentioning that you were uh, talking with your therapist just before this this interview came up. So, how do you manage your mental health? Oh, man. It is a constantly evolving process. <laughs> um, I speak with a therapist, uh, but I think... Honestly, you know, the thing that really helped me the most in conjunction with speaking with my therapist uh, was really having this hard realization about a year and a half ago, or maybe it was a year, it was a year ago, actually, it was, it was August of last year, where I was on vacation with my family. And you know, listen, I love vacation. Everybody loves vacation, right? You're not at work. Do you, you know how people have like the Sunday scaries? I had that, but in like the biggest way ever thinking about leaving vacation going back to the job that I was doing at the time. Uh, at the time I was working these really long hours. I was, it was physically exhausting work. Um, at the time I was working in research with these very large swine every day. It was just physically exhausting to try to like, you know, move around a 35 keg uh, pig, especially if anybody here has ever dealt with large swine that don't want to be moved. It's again, it's physically demanding. It was long hours. I also worked in a leadership position, which meant that I was basically on call all the time. And I liked the work and the research was interesting, but I was just so tired that I didn't have time for literally anything else in my life. And I was so exhausted and so just out of it. I didn't realize it until I was sitting on a beach with my husband. And we were about maybe 24 hours from having to pack up and go back home. And I just looked over at him and I was like, yeah, hey, I'm, I got to quit my job. <laughs> and, you know, and I had nothing else lined up. So that was kind of probably terrifying for him where he was like, I'm, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> and, you know, I was the breadwinner uh, also. So I um, was making the majority of our annual income. And so I just said, I can't do this anymore. And I think that that was the turning point for me being able to set some hard boundaries with what was acceptable for me in my career and what was not acceptable. Um, and then again, like we were talking about before, just prioritizing the way I wanted to spend my time. I knew that uh, when I'm a little old lady, you know, sitting in my garden reminiscing about my youth, I don't want to be like, I'm so happy that I wrote those proceedings. <laughs> You know, I wanted to, to to look back and say, where do I want to spend my time? And for me, I realized that I have given a lot of my time away to things that maybe weren't loving me back. And one of those things, unfortunately, was vet med. And I still love vet med. So don't get me wrong, kids. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I love vet med. I just had to realize that if you let it, it can be a really toxic relationship in vet med. But 
if you advocate for yourself and you set boundaries, and again, this is hard to do, but you have to have some hard stops. You have to just say, nope, today I, you know, I have my son's soccer game. I have a hard stop at 5 p.m. If you need somebody to cut that ER case, it's not going to be me. I'm sorry. I'm leaving at 5. And that is hard to do, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you deal with these feelings of guilt and am I letting my team down and all of this. But as I told two uh, veterinary technology students who were working with me yesterday and they, they came up to me and they were like, oh, I'm, um, I, I'm sorry, we can't stay for this whole um, case because we're supposed to be done at five. And I was like, yeah, yeah then leave at five. I was like, listen to me right now. There will always be cases. There will always be cases that need to be seen, animals that need to be treated, you have to learn now to advocate for yourself and your time, right? And that's not to say that you can't stay and help out. If you have the time or if I have the time, of course I'll stay and help and I'll cut that, you know, I won't cut it, you know, I'll do the anesthesia. I'll anesthetize that thing. But if I don't have the time, I don't say yes. Or even, you know what, even if it's like I don't have something with Oliver, who's my son, um, because I don't, absolutely also don't want it to seem like only people who have kids should be allowed to leave on time. I think that's one thing that I, I absolutely, and I'm a mom, so I understand it, but I completely dislike. Listen to me. If you're supposed to leave at five and it doesn't matter if you have a kid's soccer game afterwards or a yoga class, or you want to go home and watch freaking Bridgerton, I don't care. Leave at five. Okay. Or leave whenever your time is. Be protective of your time. So that really, between the therapist and being ultra protective of my time, that's really been the game changer mm. for me. The game changer, right? Like, well, what if, what if I just don't stay? Right. Guess what? Somebody else is going to do it. It mm -hmm. will get done. Mm -hmm. And I know we think like, oh, if, if I don't do it, it won't get done. Or if I don't do it, I'm letting down everyone. Or if I don't do it, you know, the veterinary clinic will implode and everybody will hate me. I got to tell you right now. It's not the case, you guys. It's not. For sure. So be intentional with your time. Mm. And the Excellent. more you keep doing that, the less likely it is to change. Like, I, this was a, you know, a constant battle I fought in my time at Tufts. And again, we just, like, we fought staffing shortages just like everybody did. And But I would always say, I'm sorry, the paper on the wall says I'm done at 11 o'clock. I am leaving at 11 o'clock. I'm not staying till 3 a.m. Because every time that I do and we get through it, we're rewarded for getting through it, but then nothing changes. If I mm -hmm. leave at 11 o'clock and it just continues to snowball and we have to start turning people away and the clinic starts losing money, then things will change. Mm -hmm. But if we just keep getting through it and just keep doing it, the only thing that changes is our mental health in a negative direction. Yep. Excellent. Yeah, 100%. So, Tasha, we, when we last spoke with you two years ago, uh, we talked about vet anesthesia nerds and we talked about the podcast that you're doing. Uh, so any updates on that? How are things going with vet anesthesia nerds? I, I know you used to do a, a symposium, like a, like a conference. Are you still doing that or is that kind of yeah. because of the COVID situation? We did that before COVID, but no, we are back oh, this awesome. year. Um, so we have a new location. Um, we actually are partnering with the people at DBM 360 and Fetch. And we are basically holding an anesthesia nerds conference inside of their conference. Nice. 
like uh you know so then they they take care of you know the venue and all of this kind of stuff that i just didn't like dealing with as organizational things so we are having two fantastic anesthesiologists speak for us and then of course we're having sessions led by steven satal darcy palmer we're doing our regional anesthesia wet lab there and the location will be san diego in december oh, nice. so you know if anybody wants to come out and visit anesthesia nerds and learn all it's just going to be two days of lecture i don't want to say it's just going to be two days of lecture it's going to be two days of amazing lecture <laughs> uh, by some fantastic anesthesiologists uh, and i know this because i handpicked them because they're friends of mine and people i like to have beers with so you're going to like them too and that actually is a criteria for being a speaker at anesthesia nerds like you have to be somebody who like you know we'd want to like have a beverage with so we have a like, not that we have a lot of jerk anesthesiologists out there, but we just have like a no jerk policy at anesthesia nerds. Like everybody has to be cool with everybody. Um, we definitely leave our egos at the door and like everybody is here to learn good anesthesia and do better for our patients. So, yep, we're going to be doing that. And then, yeah, we also do the podcast. Uh, and definitely by we, I mean me, by myself, <laughs> uh, which is a labor of love. As you guys mm -hmm. know, right, uh, doing the podcast is like just a labor of love. And I just do the Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds podcast because I like talking to people and I like learning different things, right? So I like being able to talk with, you know, a doctor that's working in Canada that might have exposure to a different drug than I am used to. Or again, just people utilizing things in different ways that I am not used to. And I think that that information is valuable to get out there. And if, if people get something or little tidbits that they can use in their day at the vet practice by listening to the podcast, then it's worth it for me. So, you know, my shout out to also my husband who, again, because he's married to me and I have pretty much forced him into helping <laughs> me with it. Uh, he handles all the like sound editing, mixing and all of that stuff. Um, he was working on an episode of the podcast last night. So He's pretty fantastic. Well, he also works in vet med, so don't want it to seem like, you know, I guess now that I think of it, he is taking on a job that he's not being paid for, and that's actually not really great for him. <laughs> he should have some boundaries and probably say I no mean, to I me. mean, Jeff and I are, are doing that with this, this podcast as well. We're not, it is, like you said, it is a labor of love. Yeah. No, for sure. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, you always post or, or not always, but frequently on your, your personal page, like, hey, vet med and a link to an article or something topical that's going on and, you know, kind of call out something that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing or that it's time to change or what have you. Is anything news news wise or, you know, emerging trends, anything like that to, that you've kind of called out and talked about stuck at, stuck out to you recently along those lines like what's going on in Batman? what do we need to work on oh man well first off <laughs> we're, we're we're actually doing really well like listen i i do have a lot of a bright hope for this profession in the future certainly i feel like there's just so much time spent on the negative right the burnout and all of the other things like i i get it and we all know it we know what burnout is at this point we know what toxic workplaces look like at this point and i think the reason that i say like these like posts of like hey vet med is just hey let's take a minute read this 
is there something that we could potentially be doing differently? Maybe it works for you, maybe it doesn't. Or are there things that, again, I'm a big, like you said before, this like notion of we've always done it this way, or this is how we've always done it. I love like challenging status quo stuff. And for me, I think that one of the things that I'm passionate about, because when I think about my career and how I've been in it, it's almost 17 years, I want other techs to be in it for 17 to 20 years or whatever. I don't like the fact that technicians leave this field after what? What is it like five, five years, five seven, seven years? Yeah. It's, it's quick, right? So I want technicians to get into this, go to school for it and know that they're going to be in it for the long haul. And it is going to be a fulfilling, rewarding career that will change over time with them. I want them to know that. But we're not going to get there unless we have some of these hard conversations and stop this. We've always done it this way, right? Like we were just talking about the always staying late. Well, that's just a part of, right? That's just a part of vet med. You're just going to stay late. They're just going to be, what can you do? You have to like see these emergencies. No, good management and good team leadership means that we have contingencies for that and you shouldn't have to always stay late, right? Also, well, we should just expect that you're not going to make a lot of money in this field. Or it, one thing that grinds my, does grind my gears, this notion that if you go for your VTS, right? Oh, you should go for your VTS because you love it. You should not see any, you know, pay raise for that or that. Let me tell you right now. Can I swear on this podcast? Sure, go for it. Okay, because that notion is bullshit. Okay, that notion is bullshit. If you were a human nurse and then you went and got your master's in nursing, you would see an increase in your pay. If you go and get your VTS and you have now had multiple years of finely tuned skill and a clinic is going to pick you up and know that, Jeff, you can hit the ground running, right, and take a, uh, a DKA cat and do all of the diagnostics and do all of the things and place all of the lines and I know I can put that in your hands, that is valuable. You should be appropriately compensated for that level of education and that level of skill. So I think these panels that I see where all these VTSs get together and say, well, you got, you should do it for the love of, yeah, you totally should do it because you're passionate about it. But we also should be able to have the conversation that with that level of education and skill comes appropriate compensation. Why are we talking about this? It should be an expectation. Who whoever takes on additional well, work we do. In for the same pay? We like, yeah, we that. do. Yeah, why, would, why would you ever? <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Right, right, right. Like, but like outside of us, like if you get a promotion, you get like it's 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 the expectation that there is added benefit, there is added value, there is added yeah. compensation. And I think again, as a technician, you want to make this a long-lasting career. You got to ha- you got to set your boundaries and stick with them and you also got to advocate for yourself and part of advocating for yourself means you got to have some hard conversations. I really like and I recommend it for everybody to read, but there's a book uh, called Radical Candor, which I think uh, is a really good leadership book also just for a personal growth uh, set, but it, it kind of teaches you how to have these conversations where, and especially where you want to go to maybe your manager or your boss and talk to them about um, the amount of work that you're taking on. You want to talk to them potentially about compensation or a title change or promotion or something like that. It helps you with those tools. And I think that those are important tools for technicians to have. We don't get taught a lot of these negotiation or business things in tech school. So we're kind of figuring it out on our own along the way. And I am really passionate that veterinary technicians talk to each other about 
salary. I know that there's that kind of on Facebook, there's that Google sheet going around amongst uh, veterinary technicians looking at different states, but research yeah. it and talk to each other, right? There's, there's nothing bad about talking with everybody about what are we making? What should we expect? What's going on out there? Transparency is a fantastic thing when it, when it comes to like, you know, salaries and your expectations and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm a big advocate. I will tell people right now, like, you know, if they ask me like, Tasha, what's your relief rate? I will tell you that my relief rate in clinic is $42 an hour. Tasha, what's your consultant rate? If I'm going to go and consult in a clinic, it's $375 for an hour long session. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I think that we should be able to talk about right. these things. I don't I don't think it's negative in any way. And I know that probably 20 years ago, it was considered, you know, passe. You don't talk about your salary or money or that. No. Okay. We're going to talk about our salary. We all want to stay in this profession. We want to love this profession. But in order to do that, you have to actually be able to, you know, afford your mortgage and afford food and all that stuff. So research it. Talk to each other. Advocate for yourself. You mentioned that document that's been going around. I, I looked through there. It's a very ex exhaustive list, mm -hmm. by the way. But just kind of scanning down and looking at what, like, cost of living for these different states. And unless you had been in the field, like people had listed, you know, how many years they've been in the field, how many years they've been in that position. Unless you've been in your position at your same clinic for 10 plus, 15 plus years, you don't even come close to making cost of living. So right. what are we doing here? Like, why, why, why is that? And you, you mentioned the, the not mentioning your pay, mentioning your pay. The only person that that benefits of not mentioning your pay is the people that are paying you. It doesn't benefit you. doesn't benefit your right. coworkers to not talk about it. It only benefits the people that are, that are setting the, the low pay rates that we have. Exactly. 100%. I think what I think for me, what needs to change, and I have no idea if this is just a pipe dream or, or could ever be a reality. But let's say, Tasha, you mentioned a DKA patient. And let's say as a technician, I go to the doctor and I say, hey, are you OK if we put in, you know, a, a sampling line in this cat so we don't have to poke him every couple hours or run its insulin CRI through it or what have you. And we put in that central line that just for round numbers, let's say it costs one hundred and fifty dollars, that one hundred and fifty dollars charge-wise, yeah. goes to the doctor. What did they do? They nodded their head and said, Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it was my idea. I brought it to them. I put it in. I'm maintaining it. There are some charges that should just go to technicians. And not even necessarily a specific technician on a case. You could certainly take it that far. But they should. there, there are certain charges that should be billed for doctors and and. Go to them. And there are certain charges that should only go to technical staff and that be part of their payment pool. I, I don't know why, if it's a $3,000 case, the doctor gets, you know, credit or compensation or whatever it is for all $3,000 because we all know. We did a lot of it, yeah. We did a lot of that. That's an interesting... Uh... And I, that's the only way I can think of to actually visualize to a clinic what kind of value we bring to some of these cases. I, I, but I don't, again, I, I don't know how to implement that or, and I'm not even in clinic anymore, but I, otherwise I don't know. Otherwise I have yeah. no idea. Implement that, but that, that is a, a smart idea because like you said, we, I mean, if you went through somebody's invoice, you could probably pick out at least 60% of the stuff that is all us technicians. It, it has nothing to do with the doctor. 
Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to see, uh, especially if we look at it from like a BTS perspective, mirroring human medicine and saying that a BTS could be looked at as like a mid-level practitioner, right? So, or, or a PA or something like that. So in a human setting, where does the revenue that is generated from the PA and the nursing staff go and how does that get allocated? So I think that again, especially with your CBTs and your VTSs, uh, maybe even looking at some kind of production-based model for them could be beneficial. Um, I don't know if it would work for every clinic, but I do think that the clinics that do value their employees and, you know, not just like, hey, we got you guys a pizza party, right? But really are generous with their employees who give feedback uh, appropriate and consistent feedback to their employees who are transparent with their employees who champion the needs of their employees and again, provide a living wage to their employees. Those ones are the clinics where they're not gonna have as much turnover. And we know just from economics that turnover costs money, more money than keeping Mm -hmm. a, a, a veterinary technician. So it seems like it would be in our best interest to figure out all these ways and how we can keep technicians in the field instead of just looking at technicians as a renewable resource and, oh, we'll just get another tech, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, we know in business it, it costs way more to train employees than retain employees that have, you know, institutional knowledge and, you know, you can continue to promote and all of that. But yet we just don't adopt that in veterinary med. We don't do anything to keep our people. Like you look at generally our benefits package or retirement or life insurance or all of these things that frankly, as you get to our stage of our career, really start to become more important than sometimes the wage does. How do you expect to keep people around if, you know, if their wage tops out and there's nothing else for them to work for? I, I don't. I don't understand. Well, I think you brought up another like interesting thing too is that I've heard online and I've heard from some colleagues that they have been in this field for maybe twenty years and they have been told you're at the top of the salary. Like, you know, you've topped out. You can't go any further. That is no. That is some crazy talk right there. There is no there should be no such thing as like you've topped out. Um, because honestly, if you tell me like, oh, you've topped out, then that means that I have reached the full capacity of what I can do here. It's time for me to look for another, another position to go into. Right. That's exactly what you have have told me. And are you telling the veterinarians they've topped out? Like, or how about the office manager that's uh, probably been there longer than you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have they topped out? Or the office manager or the CSR. Like, yeah, absolutely. Nobody's like, topped it's, out. <laughs> it's, it's frankly quite insulting to hear that. Yeah, but it does. I have heard it multiple it times. Is. It so is. it is a little, yeah, it's a little dis- disheartening. Oh, but for sure. I will say that there are clinics out there, and I've personally done relief at some clinics where I see that they are trying to do better. I see that they are starting with, for instance, one of the places that I, I'm doing relief at, like the reason that they kind of sold me on coming over was instead of right off the bat touting their medicine or their CT machine or this, they touted their culture. Like that was the first thing that they talked about was team culture, team approach. This is how we want to have our people interact with each other. This is this. We didn't even get into the medicine part until later. And I think that's where I want to see places go, right? Because 
we can do great medicine, but ultimately, if we are not on the same page as a team, if we are not respecting each other as team members, and again, especially from technician, VTS, et cetera, if we are not utilizing each other's skills appropriately and respecting each other's viewpoints and skills, um, then it is all going to fall apart. It doesn't matter how good your medicine is. If your team isn't where you need it to be, you're not, you're probably as a technician, not going to last long at that clinic. And overall, the clinic is not going to be successful. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, as, as people advance in their careers, and especially if they are in the same hospital for longer periods of time, it is so easy to have some kind of tiered system where at three years, we're going to increase your 401k match an additional percent at five years. It's another percent like continue, like, or we're going to start covering an additional $100 a month of your health insurance. or And that way you're putting that money directly back into your paychecks. There are, or add a yeah. week of paid vacation, whatever it is. There are so many things that you can do to just continue to entice people to stay. It's it. Some of those things are not that no. hard to figure out. Yeah, and if out. you're getting to the point where you're, you're saying that you've, you've topped out, then, I mean, that, that would be the day that I said, okay, I guess I'm going to go. Because yeah, okay, I guess because what's uh, my go. what's yeah. my motivation like what's what's your incentive yeah yeah what's your incentive to stay if I'm never gonna make any more right. money right I mean what else what else if you've got nothing else for yeah. me to do here then I'm gonna what go else is there and find no they don't go me. we're getting Panera on Friday yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I love it oh well Tasha we're kind of getting towards our hour so I don't want to take up too much more of your time but I'm just curious was there anything vet med related that we might have missed uh that you want to get out to our listeners or anything like that i don't think so we really covered a lot in this hour I we mean, have yeah certainly you know everybody <laughs> uh, uh we, we don't want to do proceedings anymore uh, yep. come see us in san diego uh anesthesia nerd symposium improve your wages Make and benefits sure you ask for uh, an appropriate compensation at your place of employment and uh do the best anesthesia that you possibly can advocate for yourself and for yes. patient. and say no when you're supposed yes, to. Yes. 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 Boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. Boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. Um, you know, our format pretty well and, and what we do on the vet tech cafe. Is there a topic that you can think of that we haven't discussed that you'd like to see us talk about or a person that we haven't had on that you think would be a good guest that you could recommend to us? Okay. Have you guys had on uh, Liza Rudolph? Very early yeah, on. Yeah, she did was you, one of our very did you first guests. specifically talk about nursing plans and... No, okay, I don't even remember so what we talked about. Thing. Liza, um, you know, she's fantastic. Yes. But Liza Rudolph, uh, because she is now heading up the the Rowan University, the veterinary technician thing and the curriculum and all that, she also is a big advocate for nursing plans. Okay. So I think that this is a really fascinating field, especially when we talk about the potential for VTSs to be mid-level practitioners and potentially getting paid on production. These nursing plans could maybe provide a segue into that where we take the doctor's recommendations or the, you know, what the doctor is thinking diagnosis-wise and then into these nursing plans. And Liza has some really fascinating information on implementing nursing plans as a veterinary technician. So I think that would be a, a really good one for the future. Fantastic. 
Awesome. We've been in contact with her um, kind of once she gets Rowan going about talking, you know, about that as a technician heading up that that kind of thing. So that's actually a really good yeah. side point too to discuss in depth because I've seen people online discuss nursing plans in our field and nothing really has taken off yet. But I think that's a really really fascinating idea. Yeah, I think because she has the opportunity now to kind of integrate them into curriculum. I think it'll make a big difference and hopefully maybe even like, yeah, you know, awesome. a shift change in, you know, looking at nursing veterinary, you know, yeah. veterinary yeah. technician profession as a whole. And not doing things the way we thought we've always done it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which yeah. is a thing outside to be a the theme. box. Yeah. What a concept. Yes. All right, Tasha. Now it's time for your would you rather question. Are you ready for it? Did we do so. a would you rather when you were on two years ago? I don't know if we did this previously. I don't know. I can't remember. I have to. We'll have to look back. Um, okay, so would you rather never be able to use the microwave again, or never be able to tie your shoes again? Oh, you mean like I like like I just have shoes that don't have ties, and and I just no, have like you have shoes that shoes? no, they have ties. You just can't tie them. I just can't tie them. I just gotta like yeah. live with it. But what if I just bought loafers and I just did all those all the time, and I just <laughs> I just wear them instead? I mean. I mean, I, I, when I saw this I like question, I, I was like, I, I, I was thinking eventually I'm, I'm going to be one of those old men that just has the Velcro tie shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I'll go I mean, with the untied shoes because like, oh man, like what now? Granted, I went two years of not owning a microwave, so I can make it without a microwave. But, you know, every once in a while, I just need microwave popcorn. Right. And yeah. I don't know. I probably, and I'll also say this, uh, the microwave definitely got me through Oliver's toddler years. Um, I <laughs> definitely don't want it to, anybody to, to get it twisted. I was definitely a uh, overworked and sleep deprived <laughs> mom when he was two years old. And I was not making uh, those like Instagram gourmet meals that people are making. It was 100% like, what is this? Kid cuisine? Dinosaur shaped tots? Put it in the microwave. Sounds good. Sounds good. Love it. <laughs> well, Tasha, thank you so much for your time. And, and honestly, just a good chat about veterinary medicine and some different out-of-the-box ideas that hopefully all of them take off, because I think they should. But uh, it was just really great to catch up with you and hear what you're doing now. And, and again, just kind of talk about what's going on. So we really, really, really appreciate yeah. you taking your time uh, out of your busy schedule to, to come say hello yeah, again. Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. Yay, Vet Med. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Vet Med. Go, Vet Med. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot for tuning into the Vet Tech Cafe today, Caffeinators. We really appreciate your support, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye, guys. Hello, Caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey caffeinators! 
We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.